and we will begin in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We do believe the Lord Jesus Christ to be God manifest in the flesh, virgin born, without sin, crucified, risen, coming again to receive His church, then returning to establish His kingdom. We still have to discuss the second coming of Jesus Christ. We'll speak of the rapture when He comes to catch His bride away and take us to be with Him. And then his second advent when he returns to establish his kingdom. Those two stages of the second coming that the Bible uh, prophesies and that we look forward to. But this morning and next time that we're together, uh, we want to focus on this one word, risen. We believe Lord Jesus Christ to be God, man, flesh, flesh, virgin born, without sin, crucified, risen. If Jesus Christ had died on the cross but had not risen, the gospel would be incomplete. And 1 Corinthians 15 is our passage, has much to say about the resurrection. The Bible says in verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Now, if you're saved this morning, and isn't it good to be saved? If you're saved this morning, you're saved because you received the gospel, which is clearly defined in scripture, this passage uh, before us. By which also, verse 2, you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Paul said, the message I preached is the message I believed. Uh, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That was predicted, that was prophesied, that was foretold throughout the Old Testament in relation to the coming of the Messiah. It was pictured through the uh, Old Testament sacrifices and offerings and Jewish religious system. It was pictured through the people and events of the Old Testament The prophets from 1 Peter 1 are said to have uh, written of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So he died for our sins according to the scripture. But verse number 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. The resurrection, the crowning point of the gospel message. The resurrection, an essential part of of the gospel message. This chapter will go on to tell us that if Jesus Christ had died but had not risen, if he died and he were still in the grave like every other religious leader uh, this morning, there would be no such thing as biblical Christianity or there'd be no truth to or power to biblical Christianity. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then just chalk Christianity down as another dead man's religion. But what sets Bible Christianity apart from any other religion on the face of the world is we have a living Savior who conquered death and the entirety of our belief system hinges on this fact of the resurrection. Look at verse number 13 and let's read a few of these verses here. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. If Jesus Christ is not alive this morning, no reason for you to get out of bed and come to church. If Jesus Christ is not alive this morning, no reason for you to carry a Bible and read it 
and believe it. If Jesus Christ did not get up out of that tomb three days after he was crucified, then there is absolutely nothing to any of this. That's what it says, and that's a strong statement, but there's all kinds of proof uh, to back up the fact that Jesus did rise from the dead. Our faith isn't vain. Our preaching isn't vain. The gospel does change lives. Heaven is real, and it's a place we can go because Jesus Christ made a way when he died, was buried, and rose again. Verse number 15, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ and we raised not up, if so be the dead rise not. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, there is question as the, as the truth of any resurrection. Is there any hope beyond the grave? Does anybody live uh, past this life? The argument is there is a resurrection and, and then the, uh, the truth is Christ did rise from the dead. Verse 16, for the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Jesus' death on the cross alone was not sufficient for our atonement. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 just said. He had to rise again, and we'll see that he did and what it accomplished for us. Verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, become the first fruits of them that slept. The first fruits, he was the first of many. There are many to follow. Those who believe on him will be raised as he was raised. For since by man, verse 21, came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Many things we could say, many things we should say from the Bible as pertains to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll just have to run through the introductory points very quickly. We want to focus on what the resurrection proves this morning. The resurrection was foretold by Jesus Christ. I gave you a couple references. There are probably at least half a dozen more, but Jesus said in John 2, destroy this body and or destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He wasn't talking about the place where the Hebrew people assembled for worship and for uh, feast days. He was talking about his body. Destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it up, he said, and then he did. In uh, Matthew chapter 12, they asked him for a sign. And he said, I'm not going to give you a sign other than the sign of the prophet Jonas. Because just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so the man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He predicted his resurrection. So the resurrection was predicted by Jesus Christ. The resurrection was declared by the apostles. The resurrection was declared by the apostles. The book of Acts is the history of the early church after Christ rose again, after Christ ascended, his followers carried that gospel message throughout the world. They reached the world with the gospel in the first century, the New Testament records. But the, the, the crux of their message was the resurrection. When, a, when an apostle was selected to replace <laughs> Judas Iscariot, who had betrayed the Lord and gone out and killed himself, the, the, the office was one, might one be ordained to bear witness of the resurrection. That was the, that was the focal point of the ministry 
of the apostles. We could read Acts chapter 4, verse 2, 433, 17, 18, 23, 6. And again, probably a dozen other passages where that was the main focus of their preaching the resurrection and the gospel message. As we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection is an essential part or an essential element of the gospel. Without the, without the resurrection, we don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just that he died for our sins, it's that he died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The resurrection must be believed for salvation. If you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, you don't believe the gospel. If you don't believe the gospel, you're not saved. Romans 10 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart, God, that raised them from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The heart may believe in the righteousness of the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the resurrection is really all of biblical Christianity hinges on the resurrection. Acts chapter 1 verse 3, Luke was an early church historian and the Bible says that he was going to set in order many infallible proofs for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there are many infallible proofs. That's not what we're going to focus on this morning, the proofs that Jesus rose again. What we're going to focus on this morning is what the resurrection proves to us. We'll take another lesson to focus on uh, why we have every reason to believe that Jesus Christ uh, did rise and is alive uh, today. But this morning, what the resurrection proves. Come with me to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter one, and we're going to read verse number four. The fact that Jesus Christ rose the third day, it solidifies certain truths and establishes those truths. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, look at this, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. The first thing that the resurrection proves is the deity of Jesus Christ. We spent at least one week uh, talking about the deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that he was God manifest in the flesh, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. When he declared himself to be the son of God, it was clearly understood by the people to whom he spake that he was claiming equality with God, not inferiority to God, but equality with God. And he came and he was very clear about who he was. I'm the son of God. But this resurrection backs up the statement. He's declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. It put God's stamp of approval on the claims that Jesus made concerning his nature. It was the proof that what he said was true. It was evidence to support the revelation of himself as God's son. Uh, who else 
has gotten up from the grave after they said, look guys, I die, and three days later, I'm getting up. Now, I've read about people who have made the claim, but I've never read about anybody else who came through on it. It wasn't long ago, I read an article about a religious leader in, in, in Africa somewhere, and he claimed to have the power of Jesus Christ, and he had his followers put him in the ground, in a hole, throw the dirt on top of him. He said, three days later, I'll see you guys again. Guess how that one turned out? Well, they did get him out, but they had to dig and get him out, and he no longer had any life in him. Evidence of quite a struggle to get himself out, which he was unable to do. Jesus Christ, the only one who of his own volition could walk out of the grave because he was God with the power of life and death and uh, perhaps no stronger proof for the deity of Jesus Christ than the fact that he rose again. Number two, come to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. Two main points and three subheadings under this second point. What does the resurrection proves? It proves the de- what does the resurrection prove? It proves the deity of Jesus Christ. And secondly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse number 4. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse number 4. The Bible says, "For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God." For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Crucified through weakness, but liveth through the power of God. Uh, why did Jesus let those people nail him to a cross? Why did he allow himself to be, uh, to be arrested, to be apprehended, to be tried, to be sentenced, to be found guilty, to be nailed to a cross, to suffer and bleed and die? He was not overcome by the Jewish leaders. He was not conquered uh, by the Roman. Jesus Christ laid down his life willingly to fulfill his Father's will, to purchase our redemption, to pay for our sins. But then the great display of his power was three days and three nights later when the angel rolled the stone away to reveal the fact his body was no longer there. The resurrection proves the power of God. No greater power than to have the power over death. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 15. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and loving all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Look at this. According to the working of his mighty power. So verse 19, the greatness of his power. Verse 19, his mighty power. What kind of power? Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Here's the kind of power our God has, the power to raise the dead. Here's the kind of power our Savior has, the power to, 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 to lay down his life in death. No man has that power, Ecclesiastes 
8, 8 says, but then the power to walk out of the grave three days later. Now, the power that he wrought in Christ is the power that is available that God wants to work in your life and in my life. So it proves the power of God, but that power, according to Ephesians 1 and these passages we'll look at, is to be directed toward us and God's will that he'd like to accomplish in us. So what kind of power is resurrection power? First of all, point A, the power to forgive our sins. That is um, established by the resurrection. Look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 21. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 21. And that should read verse 25. But we'll start in verse 21. Romans 4.21, And being fully promised is Abraham that what he had promised, I'm sorry, being fully persuaded, Abraham's fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. God gave Abraham righteousness, uh, not because of what Abraham did, but because Abraham believed God. His faith was counted for righteousness. Verse 23, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Here's what God just said. Just like I gave Abraham righteousness for believing me, I will give you righteousness, not for your faithful church attendance, not for your faithful Bible reading, not for your faithful prayer life, not for your faithful keeping of commandments, not for your baptismal certificate. I will give you righteousness if you'll believe what I said about Jesus. In verse number 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So delivered for our offenses. He died for our sins, but it doesn't stop there. That's not all there is to it. And was raised again for our justification. What does it mean to be justified? It means that God says that you are righteous. It is a judicial term. And God says there is no judgment that is due to this individual. There is nothing on their account. I hold nothing against them. I declare that they are righteous, vindicated, not guilty, innocent. That is only possible because Jesus Christ was raised again. I'm glad this morning God does not hold my sins against me. If he did, all that I would look forward to is an eternity in a lake of fire. That's what I deserve. But this morning, my sins are forgiven, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been justified. God says that I'm righteous. Why? Not because I have a King James Bible and go to the Bible Baptist Church because Jesus rose Again, And I believe that. And I'm trusting that is my only hope of eternal life. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. The resurrection proves that Christ has the power to forgive our sins. Muhammad didn't rise from the dead and never claimed the power to forgive your sins. Buddha never rose from the dead, never claimed the power to forgive your sins. We could go down the line this morning. No man 
No man has the power to forgive your sins. Jesus does. He proved it when he rose again. 1 Peter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So God's merciful. I deserve hell. He don't want me in hell. I deserve the lake of fire. He wants me in heaven instead. God does not wish to give me what I do deserve. He wishes to give me what I don't deserve. So by his abundant mercy, he has given us a new birth. He has begotten us again unto a lively hope. That's in verse number four. That's our inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, fading, and unweight, reserved in heaven. But all of this is secured, verse number three, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 1 Peter 3 and verse number 18. The Bible says, for as much as you know, sorry, that's chapter 1. Chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just, it's him, he didn't deserve the punishment he received, he took it in our place for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, that's, that's the humanity of Jesus Christ, that's why he became a man, so that he could die, our substitute, in our place being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That's a Bible word that, that means made alive. This a reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Verse number uh, 19 says, By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which were sometime disobedient. Verse 20, the like figure whereunto even... Baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, so this isn't water baptism, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So verse 18, he died for our sins. Verse 18, he rose again. Verse 21, he saves us by the resurrection. Okay, so the power of God to forgive sin is demonstrated, proven, secured, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But not only to forgive our sins, point B, to raise us up. Uh, this life has an expiration date. Turn to John 11. Uh, this life is going to come uh, to a sudden end one day. We don't know when. It's appointed the man wants to die. After this, the judgment. I don't know when your appointment is. You don't know when my appointment is. It would behoove us all to be ready for that appointment before it comes, because once it comes, there's no preparation time remaining. Uh, but here's my hope. When I die, be absent with the bodies, be present with the Lord. And just like Christ got up from the grave, one day my, my body's going to get up uh, from the grave. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ in his resurrection. He is the first fruits of them that slept. Let's read these verses. John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, do you believe in him this morning? I've trusted him this morning. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Aren't you glad? Now, look, I enjoy life. I'm thankful for life. I have a good life, and I've got friends, and I've got family, and I've, I, 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 all these kinds of things that I enjoy, right? I mean, life isn't miserable. 
Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is difficult, but I've got the joy of the Lord and I've got peace and I've got happiness and contentment and, and I'm not, I'm not living in sin, seeking the pleasure of sin for a season, but there is joy that comes in serving God. So I don't hate life, but I'm sure glad I've got something better to look forward to. Because along with the joy of serving Jesus, along with the love of family and friends, man, there's heartache and there's pain and there's sorrow and there's death and there's sickness and there's there's a lot to deal with because this world is cursed by sin. But I am glad the Bible says, he that believeth in me, though he dead, yet shall he live. I'm glad that Christianity is not just good for life. It's good for death. It's good for eternity. Why Why is that the case? Because Jesus Christ, the resurrection of life. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. The day you die is the day you really just start to live. That's your hope as a child of God. So uh, the, the, the resurrection proves the power of God, the power to forgive our sins, the power to raise us up. We'll, we'll skip the first Thessalonians chapter four passage. Go with me to first Corinthians 15. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45. We already read in verse 22, as an Adam will die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Look at verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Remember, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. What did he do? He disobeyed God. He plunged the human race into sin. He brought death into the world. But, verse 45, the last Adam, that's Christ, was made a quickening Spirit. Now, we read in 1 Peter 3 that Christ was put to death in flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. The Spirit of God raised him up from the dead. What does this passage say about Jesus? He is a quickening Spirit. It's like the Spirit raised up Christ from the dead. Christ will raise us up from the dead. I've got hope of living forever in heaven in a glorified body without any of the problems and faults and failures and weaknesses that I currently experience and that you all are well aware of. I'm, I'm glad Jesus Christ is going to raise us up. John chapter 6 uh, and verse 39. One more passage under this heading. John chapter 6 and verse 39. I'm glad I don't have to wonder what happens when I die, I'm glad I don't have to fear death, don't have to fear the Rona, don't have to fear the Fauci ouchie. <laughs> right? The worst thing that could possibly happen is also the best thing that could possibly happen. Look at John chapter 6. In verse 39, this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up. At the last day, verse 54, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, that's that's symbolically defined by the passage as receiving Christ. You do that not by taking communion, that the priest turns into the literal body and blood of 
Christ. That's cannibalistic. You do that by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 47 uh, says that. So eateth my flesh, drink my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, one more point. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. The resurrection proves the power of God. It, it, it is a power that that is available in our lives, a power that God wants to demonstrate in our lives, first of all, to forgive our sins, secondly, uh, really to secure our eternity, to, to give us hope of resurrection, but uh, then this final point, C, to change our lives, to change our lives. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, follow the wording closely, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Continue in the passage. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after it, that I may apprehend that for which also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul gives his testimony in Philippians 3. He, he forsook his religion. He turned his back on Judaism to place his faith in Jesus Christ. He received imputed righteousness in verse number 9. He talks about his desire to follow on and become like Christ and live for Christ in the passages that follow. But then in verse 10, he said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I don't believe that's a reference to the day when he dies. I believe Paul is saying, I want the power of that was demonstrated when Jesus Christ got out of the grave to be at work in my life right now. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. Resurrection proves God's power to change our lives. Romans 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Saved by grace doesn't mean you just live however you want to. Saved by grace, well, that grace is going to teach you to live in a way that pleases God. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Remember the lesson last week on baptism it is a picture of the death burial and resurrection it is our identification with jesus christ it is our testimony that we are trusting in what he did for us and what to do he died he was buried and he rose again and, and and when you follow the lord and believers baptism the minister takes you and whoever takes you and they they put you down in the water and oftentimes they'll say these words from romans 6 buried in his likeness and raised to walk in newness of life. So what happened to Christ? He died. He was buried. God, through his power, gave him new life. He came up out of the grave. Now, God wants to do that same thing in your life. But without you going into the grave physically, he wants your old man to be crucified, to be buried. And then he wants to raise you up 
now to walk in newness of life. Just like Christ was resurrected, that same power can give you victory over your sins and your thoughts and your attitudes and your habits. That same power is available to help you live in a way that pleases God, to live at peace with your parents and peace with your siblings and a blessing to the people around you. Do you see that in verse number four, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It puts a little bit of emphasis behind the statement of Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. If God has the power to get Jesus up from the dead, certainly has the power to change my life and make me different and help me follow him, serve him, love him, trust him, and obey him. Let's allow that power uh, to work in us. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the great truth that Jesus Christ, he, he was crucified, but he is risen. Thank you for the hope that it gives us and Lord, for the power that's available to work in our lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.